Hello and welcome to Getting to Grow, the podcast dedicated to unearthing the stories of some of the best brands in the food and wellness space, hosted by myself and Sam. Each episode we chat to founders, experts and industry professionals who each have their own personal journeys. We discover how they built their business, what's next and everything in between. So um, welcome back to another episode of Getting to Grow. This week we have Sasha and Alex on from Phil Doctor, which they are going to talk to us all about today, um, about their healthy delivered meals, which is really exciting because mass fan of the product. I have tried them myself and they are absolutely delicious. Um, so without further ado, I will introduce um, Sasha and Alex to chat about kind of like who they are what they did before Field Doctor and what brought them together um, and then the idea. So um, yeah, over to you guys. Um, and then yeah, whoever wants to start can go ahead. Cool. Hey, nice to meet you. Um, I'm Alex. Uh, I'm yeah one of the co-founders here at Field Doctor. Um, my background is uh, I was one of the founding team at a company called Forgood and Shakes, which is a, a nutrition, sports nutrition company that we um, helped democratize sports nutrition into, into supermarkets. Um, but then um, we sold that business, but I've always had this you know, desire and, and goal to get more into the world of nutrition itself. And latterly, I got really interested in, in food for mental health and mental well-being, um, partly due from you know, personal reasons and, and family-based reasons. Um, and on exploring you know, how could help um, you know, manage symptoms and manage that area, discovered that food was a really good adjunct to, you know, the, the normal medical interventions. Mm. So I was actually working on a, on a concept for a brand in that space um, and met up with Martin, who's not with us, but who's one of our other co-founders and talking about it as a, as a concept. And actually the, the idea that food can have a, a, an effect on your on your overall health or for specific conditions. And actually there was many more conditions alongside and, and around that we could target, run true, that we could actually create a brand that used this concept of food as medicine. Yeah, part. Um, I totally agree. I remember actually hearing this quote once that was like, there were two people and they were talking and one of them was like, you know, a bit overweight, like quite tired, um, you know, stressed at work you know, wasn't sleeping very well. And the other guy was like, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if there was this pill that could like, you know, get your energy levels up, um, you know, reduce kind of like that extra weight that you're carrying. Um, uh, what else did they say? You know, increase your skin, your hair, you know, all this kind of thing. And he was like, oh yeah, like, wouldn't it? The million dollar thing. And it was like, yeah, it's called, it's called like exercise and nutrition. And it's amazing because it like it is so true that like if people bring it back to basics of just literally what you're putting in your body and then yeah the nutrition and, and everything is so key and food is medicine and it's always amazed me why actually sometimes and you go to the GP for something and they they never ask if you're sleeping well what you're eating it's just straight away oh here's a pill and I think that and I think you know with the world at the moment that NHS is under such pressure that everyone is looking for ways that they can improve their own you know personal health and make the changes themselves and like you say I think it's it's within all our potentially within all our gifts to to make really positive changes but often people are looking for you know that quick fix the fad and the reality is it's you know you can do it a lot of it yourself by finding diet and sleep and trying to find ways to de-stress as well that really help Mm. yeah it's lifestyle 
So I'm Sasha. I'm head of science. I'm a dietitian by training, and um, but it wasn't always so. Uh, my career actually started in marketing. I was a European brand manager for Hagen Dazs ice cream. Oh wow! Then I went on to uh, become a brand manager for the kids' ice cream portfolio for Walls. And uh, always been really interested in food and uh, was sitting at my desk one night at 10 o'clock and thought, there's got to be something more to thinking about new and different ways to sell ice cream to kids. And maybe I realized I needed to sort of do my bit because I had already added to the obesity crisis. I was going to say it must have been interesting. (laughs) And pay my penalty. And I actually decided to just go back and retrain to become a dietitian. So I went back to university, spent four years, and then I've worked across a lot of things in terms of um, research. I've worked in public health. I've worked with um, helping families get back on track and you know, tips of how to eat better as a family on budgets, working in um, deprived communities in London, and then got really interested in the area of irritable bowel syndrome and worked a lot with this diet, the low FODMAP diet, which we'll talk a little bit more later on, but always been really, you know, seeing firsthand as a dietitian, this power of food to really help you either keep your health on track or help get your health back on track. Um, But always finding that whenever I was seeing clients that they want to eat healthily. It's not that people don't come with the best intentions and don't want to eat better. It's just often hard. They don't know, they don't have the knowledge. They don't know where to turn. It's a noisy space. There are a lot of people giving different conflicting messages, you know, in the media, different headlines. One week coffee is good for you. The next it's not. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people fighting for their attention or just we don't have time. We don't always have time to cook from scratch um, or even the cooking skills to make healthy food taste good. And I was on an incubator program uh, trying to incubate some ideas around um, you know, nutrition. And I was introduced then to Alex and Martin. I was actually in Stockholm at the time, got on a plane, met them for a day um, and caught up with them on kind of what this was, you know, them starting the idea of field doctor. And I thought, wow, what better challenge? You know, can you make healthy, ready meals truly healthy and can you base them on science and I think that's the ultimate of convenient health you know meals that are truly packed with nutrition and and do what they say on the and I think can you can you launch a business in lockdown with three people in different locations in different countries yeah it is possible because I literally got back on the plane and then I think everything in a week's time, or no, maybe it was about three weeks after that, the whole world went into lockdown. And it was only, we only, we sort of built everything, obviously with Matt, the chef, who's absolutely brilliant and, um, you know, couldn't do any of this without him. But we all worked on this and, and you know, Ben, all remotely built this business sort of just yeah. during the first lockdown. We only met in the August as a whole team in person when I moved back to the UK in the August, which is yeah, extraordinary it's after eight months of working yeah. together. Amazing what you can do like with that, with the internet, isn't it? Like you can run everything like locally, but that's so, yeah, it's really like fascinating how you kind of all, so was it by chance that you met? Did you know that um, 
Alex was going to be no see that's I find like stuff like that no I mean there was someone that we knew in common who said hey these guys are working on this idea I think it'd be really interesting for you to meet them um and made that connection and I had a call with Martin and said why not go why not fly to London and find out we were going to move back to the UK so that was always in the plan but um no, we'd never met each other before that day. But so nothing. So Phil Doctor like wasn't a thing, and um, like at all. Where you literally had one conversation over the phone, and then you met at the incubator. Well, you'd started with a couple of ideas, and yeah. I was incubating other. Di- so I was on the incubator working on some other ideas that I wasn't. Okay. About, whereas they had started thinking about this idea. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, Martin and I were working mm-hmm. on this. You know, this concept of built all around food as medicine and. Um, and actually building it in this, you know, convenient food. And, and you know, if you buy if you buy a ready meal box or um, from any of the providers, I won't put any brand names out there, but, you know, you get these ingredients and they might send you a pack of ingredients to make a meal. And it's got, I don't know, five, 10 pieces of ingredients in there. But actually in our meals, we're now packing in like 20 different types of ingredients. And, and um, we, we were trying to work out how best to do this and you know martin's background is in is in food mine's in food and and nutrition but actually you know we need we knew 100 we needed you know the the knowledge and the science which is where sasha came in and then matt um who's our who's our head chef and does all of our development they're the brains behind it they're they're the brains behind the business they're the people that actually you know where all the you know the magic happens that we say right we really want to work on this condition, how can we, you know, within the restrictions that come with that, so low FODMAP being a perfect example, it's a diet that cuts out lots of different, very core um, ingredients, particularly garlic and onion, that you would normally, you know, be a stalwart of building delicious meals. And what Matt and Sasha do together is work out what we can and can't use, and then, you know, create a delicious lasagna or meatball dish um following those restrictions which is Mm. what really attracted me to the idea of field doctor was that it was always science-led and that you know science was at the forefront of all the decision making a lot of food companies you know mpd is maybe driven by ideas from the marketing department or the finance department and we wanted to lead with science and what does the evidence say about what a healthy diet looks like or how can we help people with specific conditions and as a dietitian that was incredibly refreshing that we start everything with science and that develops the brief and then I work together with Matt to work out you know we look at the different ingredients to bring those together to get the right combinations for the right nutrients in order to meet the the associated health goal or health need. Mm. So when you guys met in the August um did you yeah oh when we met in person in the august yeah yeah you when you all met in person in 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 the august had you launched field doctor yet was it out there so it was out there and what's your what's your kind of speciality speak to me more about the kind of the science-led stuff so like if for example so because obviously yeah there there are other companies that do similar to what you do so what like makes you different and how Mm. you how you kind of stand out from the competition and why are your meals so delicious Yeah, so when we launched, we did a soft launch in July of 2020 uh, in Bath and Bristol, because we knew we'd make lots of mistakes and we needed to learn 
before we went national. And, and this then, was all, sorry, this was all D2C. This was all on it, your website. Everything's D2C. We only sell D2C. You can only buy via our website. Okay. And the first range of meals that we launched were actually based around um, general health, um, good general health principles, and ticking certain health goals, such as um, you know, cognitive health, improving immunity, um, you know, better gut health. But we then launched nationally in January, well, January 2021, with this specific range around the low FODMAP diet, which is for people with irritable bowel syndrome. The diet has a lot of evidence behind it, more than a decade of evidence to support its use in helping people with irritable bowel syndrome symptoms. Um, three out of four people that follow the diet correctly see a great improvement and it helps them identify what their triggers are. No two people are the same with IBS. So it's very hard to work out what your individual triggers are. And this diet has been really, really helpful to help people sort of navigate that because it's very complicated. Mm. The um, FODMAPs, as they are called, uh, fermentable oligosaccharides, monosaccharides, uh, disaccharides, and polyols um, are these fermentable carbohydrates that trigger trouble and sort of aggregate. Are they similar to sugars? Are they types of sugars? No. Uh, yes, they are. They include uh, lactose. Yes. Lactose, okay. But also other longer carbohydrate molecules such as um, oligosaccharides, such as fructans. Um, and, and polyols are um, not sugars, they're sugar alcohols. And we just, all of us actually don't um, carry the enzyme to help break these down. So um, they travel through your gut and drawing uh, extra fluid through into your small intestine, which can create issues, but also they then pass through to your large intestine where there's this fermentation, bacterial fermentation that happens, which leads to wind and, and bloating and all of that. And I think what makes us particularly different is we never just wanted to do general health. We were always driven about making food to help people meet their specific health goals, be mm. it um, supporting uh, a healthier immune system or in this case, to help people tackle a condition or tackle symptoms and to help them feel better through food and recognized evidence-based uh, treatment strategies through food, such as the low FODMAP diet, which has been acknowledged by NICE and a lot of dietitians work with it, but it's a complicated diet to follow. No onion, no garlic, lots yeah. of vegetables you can't have, can't have wheat, um, milk's an issue. Um, so we find that people with irritable bowel syndrome that follow this diet have, un, you know, often not nutritionally balanced diet. They've removed mm. so many things, they're scared of food, and we wanted to help them fall in love with food again and start to enjoy meals such as curries or pasta dishes again that they could have and, and help them on that journey to better health. And the way that and the way that they're supported is 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 not brilliant either in, in this country. So there's, you know, if 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 someone presents to a GP with potentially IBS-like symptoms, they're supposed to go through a whole process and a journey and and, a, and it doesn't really happen. Um, and unfortunately, Dr. Google often yeah. comes into play. And that, that is as bad as well, as bad as, as many other things that people are just you know, going into this diet or trying to treat what they you know, believe is IBS themselves. And when we started talking to people and, and Sasha's been working in, in this area for, for a long time, they, 
you know, they are stuck, as, you, as I said, with, with such a small portfolio of foods that they can have. And it makes it really hard to go out and socialize. How do you go out to a restaurant? You can't go and have a pizza. You know, all these things that are just, you know, normal life um, are sort of taken away from people. And, and, you know, one of the things that has been um, really, really so rewarding from this is being able to let people, you know, have a ready meal, have a curry. Um, we met at um, we met a balance festival, and I went out to get a coffee from the coffee shop, and I was wearing my t-shirt that said Field Doctor on it. And this lady stopped me in the coffee shop, and she said, "Do you work for Field Doctor?" And I said, "I said yes." And she said to me, "You've changed my life." Wow. And I was just, I was like, like no one's ever said anything as like, like that to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, your, your wife, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well. <laughs> maybe yes yeah, she says that every day <laughs> not maybe yeah um but yeah it was it was just you know it was it really is helping pe helping people and yeah the, the feedback that we've had has has been has been yeah has been amazing and yeah. I, I guess I guess one of the things that we're really trying to do is because it is quite a complicated diet and because it's not one that people are getting diagnosed for or are really wanting to talk about that how do you get people to even know that they might have it and to understand where they go what what's the journey so that's our challenge moving forward is how do we sort of you know raise awareness because i think the stats are something like one in ten people so ten percent of the population will have ibs type symptoms in you know at some point in their lives but most of them aren't aren't getting any support for it um so you know, as we move forward, how how can we do that more, and how can we raise awareness? So you know, yeah, yeah, you need to like own the Google tag, like bloated, because I swear to God, I don't meet anyone that's not bloated. So like, as soon as someone searches bloated on Google, it needs to be like field doctor. Like, you need to find a way to like own that search term because yeah, and everybody knows someone with IBS, yeah, sensitive tummy, and yeah. I think it's often put down to gluten as being a key issue or lactose and actually it's often not gluten that's the problem it's something else in wheat mm. which is called fructan which is what you also find in onion and garlic and we did this amazing survey with um the ibs network last year and 44 percent of people with ibs felt that their ibs symptoms got worse during the pandemic but they had even less support because unfortunately a lot of clinics yeah. were closed. And you know, we found that 53% of people had never even seen a di dietitian to help them with their diet. And diet is such a key component in how you help manage IBS. And more than one in two of them didn't even know how to access a dietitian. Mm -hmm. So there's a real, you know, need for people to get help, but they just don't know where to go. Yeah, there's a massive need for it, 100%. I think you're so right. People are, we're confused, you know, like the average Joe, you know, might not necessarily know that they have eaten something that upsets them. They might just think, oh, weird, it'll go tomorrow. They And then they have garlic again the next day and the next day because it's literally in everything, especially ready meals. And also when you go out for dinner, you know, garlic and onion are the base of most things anyway. So, God, if you are, then that's quite, that's really hard. And then that's where you guys come in and it's convenient, it's to your door it's delicious um and you know you know that it's going to be healthy and, and home cooked and stuff like that so talk me through a bit about how you guys I guess from the so from the concept and the idea 
how did you start making the meals? Was it like in someone's kitchen? Um, and then how did you, I'm assuming you guys have like a, a, a larger commercial kitchen now or like a, you know, a bigger space than you did when you started. So how did that kind of process happen? Like from the kitchen and being like, oh my God, I, I don't have space to cook my own food anymore. <laughs> yeah, so it, it really started with a lot with Matt in the kitchen in his in his house, you know, working out recipes. And that, because we were, in, in that lockdown period, him and Martin were actually tasting them socially distanced over a, a car bonnet in, in a car bonnet <laughs> outside Matt's house. Um, and I was in Sweden, food. so I couldn't even come You over. were just going, you were just going by facial expressions. You were like, <laughs> oh yeah, that one must be good then. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's fundamentally how it started. And then what we knew was we wanted to um, own the production process because it was such a complicated diet and we're trying to, you know, take out lots of different um, ingredients, but also I think we have over nearly 200 ingredients in our different recipes. So no um, outsourced kitchen at the moment at, at kickoff would really, you know, be interested in really complicated food. So um, we, have a, we have a couple of units now down in a, um, a place called Foodworks down in um, Western Supermare. Um, and it's, it's completely set up for you know, entrepreneurial startup food-based um, companies uh, and yeah it's it's developed we had one unit to start with we out we've started to outgrow that we've got a second unit and now we're starting to you know bring in more um, you know processes that would speed up our production so we, we know we can get to a certain position with our current setup and then you know we'll work out where we go after that and we even had a visit from oh, yeah. um, Her Royal Highness. Princess Anne came to visit us at Foodworks, which was really amazing. Oh, wow. How come? Uh, she came to open up the Foodworks Centre and then uh, got to walk around and meet a couple of companies. And we were really lucky. She came into the development kitchen and spoke to us. And yeah, we had a good chat for sort of 10 minutes about gut health and food. And she was, yeah, she was really yeah. interested and amazingly approachable and... Yes. Did you give her a big discount code for the website? Seventy-five percent off Anne on her Instagram. <laughs> we got to, we got to sign something that gave us the royal warrant. Okay, of course you got to get something out of there. <laughs> no. And I'm... did you um? How did you go about getting investment? Was it from like friends and family to start with, or did you do like a round of funding, or, or how how did that work? So yeah, initially um, friends and. Yeah, friends and family round and yeah, some high net worth people within our, our contact groups and one of the things with funding is you always seem to be funding but um <laughs> so we've done we've done a couple of rounds of funding and, and um yeah so generally through the normal channels we haven't yeah. got any any big funds or uh any anywhere else at the moment but as is that maybe on the cards like something like cedars or something like that you know kind of a uh, what the uh, you know the ones that are sort of outsourced, I guess, not like from one um, venture capitalist. You mean like crowd crowdfunding? Yes, sorry, that's the word. I was looking for, you know, definitely one of the things we've thought about. Yeah, there's kind of a lot of options, but um, you know, you're always in the process of funding. Yeah, of course. Thinking about the next set of um, options. But. Yeah, of course. It's like building a house. I remember my dad built one. He was like, "It's going to cost me this much," and then he was like, "Oh dear, I need more." It's like life, isn't it? Yeah, you always need more. Um, um, so how many, how does your like recipes work? Are they like on rotations or do you have like different, um, yeah, do you have like a weekly menu or a fortnightly menu? And then how, how do they change it up to, to, I guess, make sure that customers kind of keep ordering so they're getting kind of variety? 
So um, we have we have effectively sort of that that more healthy base range from beginning, and then we've launched in the the low FODMAP range into uh, into the portfolio. So we're up to now twenty. No more. Yeah. So, uh, this is this is bad uh, radio. Um, we're up to the thirty odd meals now, with twenty in our FODMAP range. And effectively, we you know we work out what we think will work and which will sell. And because they're frozen meals, it means that we can you know produce in an in an element level of volume, and um, that help from some certain perspective. It helps lock in all the goodness and and reduce waste. So commercially, it's positive, but it's also good for the planet. And then, you know, if, if meals don't sell, we try and understand why they do or don't. So it might be about rework, might be the name, might be wrong. Mm. Um, you know, one of the challenges of the FODMAP diet is we can't include certain things. So, you know, I don't know, you might might create a, a chicken biryani, but it, you can't deliver exactly as someone would expect on the chicken yeah. biryani. It might be a great dish, but it might not be a... You know, it might not be that that type of meal. So yeah, that, I mean. that's sometimes why we reiterate and 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 work through different different meals. Um, and do you work with um do you work kind of directly with suppliers? So how do you source all the ingredients and things like that? So we've got um a reasonable network of of ingredient suppliers. So um you know all our all our fish is British landed and we have one supplier for that. All our all our chicken comes from um, one free range supplier uh, and then, then all our beef is organic from from another supplier so Matt's very carefully selected them all to you know hit our um, yeah. Yeah, our sustainable credentials that we're you know we're looking to achieve yeah I think nowadays like people especially well working in the industry people are quite um and understandably and, and rightly so you know transparency is really important so like understanding from like especially with us like obviously our coconuts aren't from England um because that's impossible and they literally don't grow here. So like understanding, well, how did they get here from Bali, Indonesia? You know, that sort of thing, like having that supply chain transparency is really important. So yeah, just interesting to, to understand how you guys, um, how you guys like work backwards um, and things like that. Yeah, and uh, what, we've, what we're working towards is getting a, you know, a certain number of each of the different ranges so that if, you know, there's a, there is that rotation system and or, if someone, you know, if someone has a specific dietary choice and then they have a specific um, condition, we have enough meals within our portfolio to, you know, enable them to have you know, a, a decent range for a period of time. So if someone, if someone is a vegan and low FODMAP, they could come and buy six meals from us and wouldn't be a problem. So that's always been a, a challenge is getting, you know, enough of a, a yeah. range that isn't over, overwieldy but can deliver against you know, the nuances of people's um, dietary choices and, and, and preferences. Yeah, well, if you ever need some dairy-free yoghurt or creme fraiche, we do that now, you know, might be something to think about. Brilliant. I'm always on the clock in sales, aren't you? You never turn off. Um, um, how did you come about, like, the branding and, like, why field doctor? I mean, I guess it's pretty self-explanatory, but, like, obviously a doctor in the field and stuff coming to your house. I mean, that's how I've interpreted it. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But how did you... Like, yeah, how about, um, how did the branding go about? Did you have an agency? Was it you guys, like, on Photoshop, like, figuring this out and being like, look, I want to do this myself? Or, yeah, how did the brand, like, come to come to life? 
hours, hours and hours of debate. <laughs> really? I, you know, we all have, you know, we all have a, well, I, I'm from a marketing background, Alex too, and you know, Martin's really passionate about brand. So it mattered a lot to us to get it right. And um, so we spent a lot of time. I mean, we were really lucky to find a fantastic freelancer that helped us and pull together the vision and he had an Incredible eye when it came to sort of the look and the feel of the brand. Um, the name was very difficult. I mean, when you're looking within the food space to try to find something that is unique and catches what you're trying to say. And of course, you know, we're trying to work within this food and medicine space, but you have to be very careful. There are some things you just simply can't say, but we love this mm. link with the field and field doctor, you know, this idea of, um, you know, taking great food ingredients from a field that can work towards your health I don't know if you want to sort of add anything to that Alex yeah no I think I think Sasha sums up pretty well that it's you know being it, it it's saying field doctor is evocative of you know how a field can you know, deliver real health benefits and and ultimately you know in the in the longer term there's this whole area of regenerative agriculture that we're interested in about how you know how farming can ensure that the soil of the nation you know can deliver goodness ongoing um so as you know, as we develop that's an area that we're gonna you know potentially look at and develop into into the business oh, so i really was wrong it's not like a field doctor i thought like you know when you're out in the field like oh i'm out today in the field so i was like oh doctors are out in the field delivering to your house and like what comes is like that's how I interpreted it. But actually, it works both ways. It's literally, you know, from the ground upwards. But also, I'm thinking of little delivery field doctors being like, here's your meal, here's your meal. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Another another thought. Unfortunately, the NHS wouldn't release enough doctors to... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Um, and then, so yes, I met you at Balance Festival, which for anybody who doesn't know is a kind of health and wellness fitness festival specializing in kind of like up and coming trends and food trends, but also a place where you can go and do boutique fitness classes um, and yeah, get to know kind of the industry a bit better. So speaking on the kind of event side and the marketing side of stuff, what is, what has been your plan to get your name out there and, um, and how do you see, because as you said, like you started this in, in lockdown where events, you know, targeting, you know, five, 6,000 people in a day is obviously super beneficial, which obviously, you know, went for a while, but obviously then you've got, I've said obviously like 12 times, I've just realized in the last like 40 seconds, but then, um, you know, you have got the internet, which is obviously very powerful and social media and things like that. So how do you, how do you work in, yeah, marketing your, marketing your product? So I, I guess because particularly with the low format diet, we're, we're trying to speak to a specific group of people um you know the the digital sphere is you know is a really powerful place for us and and we've done a lot of work with um with influencers but rather than just you know generic high profile really high profile people it's actually finding the the nuanced ones that are specific in our area so people who um follow the low format diet or people who have ibs or um healthcare professionals like sasha who are you know talking to those communities so we do a a lot of work um sally and our team looks after um a lot of the outreach there and so we yeah, spend a lot of time working with those people and i think because there is so little um support and and products that can you know that follow this diet plan 
the response from their audiences has been has been super powerful. And then Sasha's then run um, lots of Instagram lives with um, lots of different healthcare professionals in the area, and also then areas that link up into it. Um, to and they then will go and way and share it through their through their networks as well. Um, and then working with you know some of the charitable organisations that are in this space. So all of our meals are accredited by Monash University, who are the, um, the university that pioneered um, the low FODMAP diet. So we work with them and we're approved and we're in, on their app as, as, as meals. Okay. Um, we work so with like- really speaking to like your communities as such. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we do then go a bit broader and we do you know, work on you know, Google search and Facebook, but it's always about trying to target the right kind of people. Because as soon as you go into that healthy food space, it's so busy, so cluttered. Yeah. The cost of acquisition is, you know, goes through the, you know, it kind of goes through the roof and, and we don't have the firepower to do that. Yeah. Um, I love what you said though about the Instagram lives and stuff like that. Cause I think that's like a tangible thing that like you can give back to your customers. And it's like, you're, you know, you're putting a face to the brand name because for, you know, there's so many brands out there, for example, that are, you know, massive, but also small that, you don't know all I know is I've seen their product in the store like I have no idea who and what whereas like I think being able to give back and do the Instagram lives and like educate as well is really nice and it's like oh I love that brand that's really cool that she's telling me about that and you're learning and doing so I think you know the people that work for the brand are always going to be super passionate and they're the people that are going to best sell it as well um it's got their best interest at heart so doing things like the Instagram lives and kind of anything you can do you know being and and for you guys, especially, I mean, we're quite retail heavy. We don't have a D2C, um, but having a D2C, you know, the data you can get from that and you can really interact with your customers and like follow up after purchase, you know, that kind of stuff, giving them such special, um, what's the word? Giving them such special kind of like, like touch points basically that they can really like benefit from and, and things like that. I was speaking to a brand actually um, a couple of weeks ago um and these mobile kombucha and they used this integrated system and they said that every they could text um and be and you know they could text the brand and be like oh i'll add um can i have 15 um units of the product you know i've run out and someone there someone will get it in their head office and they'll be like yep yeah, sure and it arrives in the next day being like are you happy to accept 21 pounds coming out your account for example and then it does and you know, that's something we as we as Coconut Cloud probably will, will never be able to do. We don't have that capacity because we are heavily retail. But when you've got a DTC, it's really nice that you can, yeah, market your product and the stuff that you can give back. Mm. I think it, and it was a conscious choice of ours to, you know, go DTC because you own, you know, the own the conversation from the start when you're, you know, someone first finds you all the way through to, you know, when the, when the box gets delivered onto their front door. Um, the communication and, and, the, and the conversation is completely yours. Mm. Um, and then, you know, post-purchase and, you know, asking yeah. them, getting them to, you know, ref, refer and talk yeah. to people about you, it's, it's, it's really, you know, it is really powerful. And I don't think we um and are a little bit about retail, but it certainly won't be something that we would look at now, particularly because... because that was my next question. You know, particularly because we're delivering against specific conditions, and okay, any any retailers out there, the challenge I guess is that the freezer section at the moment just isn't set up to, um, you know, deliver against 
a range of meals in volume, but also you know for specific conditions, it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a dead zone. Undoubtedly, retail will change, and yeah. we're starting to see that you know with dark stores that the, the portfolios are changing. It probably will happen. Like Ocado, uh, uh, probably a prime example of that. So mm-hmm. in the and and the likes of you know Get Here and Gorilla, yeah. those kind of people. I can't like, know where that lot. <laughs> it, it will change, and I'm sure there'll be a an angle for us at the moment, but it's not yeah certainly not in yeah the, maybe not, not like yeah and maybe not like yeah the big scale retail but there are definitely places in London you know that I can think of mm. that would 100% benefit from your product being in retail because there are customers that go to these specific stores to find these sorts of products that just aren't available um so yeah I think it would be be an interesting one in retail because yeah it's it's quite crowded, the ready meal kind of area at the moment I mean traditionally ready meals are obviously very unhealthy and not good for you and they leave you feeling so thirsty because they're just full of so salt and stuff like that um and then there are ready meals that are slightly healthier but then there aren't ready meals that you have such a unique angle that aren't like as specific as like they need to be and I think you're right like customers are going out in search of that and it's not enough now just to be vegan or it's not enough now just to be this you know you know lots of plant-based alternative foods that back of pack are full of stuff you can't pronounce but oh no it's vegan so it's fine it's like well yes but it doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy whereas you guys are healthy but also providing that extra thing as well so yeah you do have a really kind of unique angle yeah and I think it's incredibly important to us we wanted people to be able to recognize every word that's in that ingredient panel as yeah. if you're cooking it from home. For example, I think we're the only ready meal company in the UK that cooks with extra virgin olive oil because oh, of all the health benefits that come with it that we know. And, you know, it's a cornerstone of the Mediterranean diet, which you know has had substantial research to show mm-hmm. health benefits in terms of cardiovascular risk, mental health, um, gut health, the list goes on. So all of these things were really, really important to us from the start. Yeah, it's funny actually, because I was speaking of um, EVOO, I watched loads of like American cooking channels and they're just like EVOO. And for years I was like, what is this EVOO stuff? Like, what are they talking about? And then I realized it was actually virgin olive oil. So EVOO, obviously it's full of like healthy fats. And I think, especially like my grandma's generation, they are terrified of fat. They're like, oh no, that's too high in fat. I can't eat that. And I'm like, especially as women god like we need our healthy fats because like you know our hormones and stuff like thrive off that kind of thing so yeah it's funny how some people are still quite scared of like extra virgin olive oil and i'm just i mean i don't like them anyway but i'm so against those like one calorie sprays because i just think they are just so grim like why would you use them yeah no there's so much good evidence to show that we do need healthy fat in our diet monolith rates and um, particular and um, you know we know not a lot about the omega-3s but it's not just the healthy fats that come with extra virgin olive oil it's also the polyphenols that have got an amazing amazing sort of antioxidant benefits but also play a role in terms of your gut health um, but we have lots of nuts and seeds in our meals mm. too which I think is really unusual 
because of all the healthy fats that come with them, yeah. as well as fiber. Fiber is incredibly important for us. It's one of those nutrients that I think has been hugely neglected in the past. We should be eating 30 grams a day, each of us. Most of the UK population aren't even hitting 18 grams. And so we wanted to make sure that all our meals were a source of fiber. And we try to make it as diverse from yeah. diverse sources because there's some evidence to show that eating up to dip 30 different plant types a week um, can, is associated with a much more diverse gut microbiome. You know, different bacteria need different fiber as their food. So you want to mix it up and we try to really pack in the diversity mm. of plant types in our meal. And so we've even got a plant point or a diversity score on the front of our pack to show how many different plant types we've used in making that meal oh Are that's you... cool so it's like a visual representation of like yeah. what you're eating as well yeah at home and and whilst our you know our meals are mainly focused on adults and that's the that's the, the target audience mainly at the moment but certainly I know Sasha does and I do with my kids it's like they love a couple of our pasta dishes and I just know we've just hidden all of the goodness <laughs> yeah. in there. Like, oh wow this is amazing this is just a they really have no idea no way, no way, guys. This is, there's so much in here that you just, you wouldn't eat it if you knew. In fact, so my, son, my son ate kale for the first time the other day and he didn't know because <laughs> it's in our cottage pie. You know, there's health by stealth. Um, and, you know, even some, you know, Matt's been incredibly um, innovative in the way that he thinks. So our bechamel is you know, made from beans. It's not made from dairy at all. So there are some great things that you can do with real food ingredients that are good for your health. You don't need to have all this, these processed ingredients. Yeah. You I mentioned around vegan food. I mean, there's evidence to show processed ingredients being them plant-based or not plant-based, you know, are not great for your gut microbiome. Yeah, I totally agree. And actually, I had butter beans last night and they're so like creamy. And I was like, they're so thick and creamy. They're quite like meaty. And I was like, this could be something else. But yeah, then I was thinking about your bechamel. And I wonder if you use butter beans in them. And you know, that's right. Oh, yeah. really? Yes. God, I should be. <laughs> I should be creating. Come work for us. Come work. <laughs> um, so what is, um, what's next for kind of you, um, like Field Doctor and like how... How do you see like the brand and, and what you're doing, like kind of expanding and like what, what would be, I know this is always a really hard question, but say you had like a goal in three years, what would it, what would like, you know, a top line kind of idea be and maybe like expand the team and get more people in that sort of stuff, and, you know, things like that. How do you see yourself growing? Um, so at the moment that focus this year is, is really building out more and, and just raising that whole awareness around um, the low FODMAP diet and, how it help you know how it can help people and, and just raising the awareness. I think you know I was saying to someone earlier today. I, I don't know whether we are, but we've got to be one of the top two or three companies now in in this space. So it's you know it's almost like yeah. a duty to to do something with it. And April is IBS Awareness Month, so that's going to become a you know a big focus for us. Last year um, we talked all about you know falling in love with food again, but that was actually mainly talking to people who you know knew they had. Um, IBS or follow the low FODMAP diet but there's a much more um, that does need to be done so that's a really you know a big priority for us certainly in the first half of the year and then and then flowing forward um, we are looking at other other ranges and other areas um, 
massively confidential <laughs> but not, not really but um and that's you know but we want to make sure that we you know we follow the science on these so you know the process of development is is painstaking and certainly matt has gone grayer <laughs> and thinner on top <laughs> through the process but um yeah we, we're certainly looking at working into some new conditions um but we don't want to go too fast because actually there's a whole job to be done to you know launch those and follow the model that we've yeah. built with you know with the low fodmap and our ibs um focused targeted range at the moment mm. so lots of exciting stuff in the pipeline basically definitely yes yeah cool. <laughs> absolutely yeah well you've got to keep it exciting haven't you otherwise i guess it doesn't become as as exciting to work for anymore anyway but um I don't know every day is a roller coaster ride yeah. and joy and fun and startup <laughs> life so um, yeah I've never owned my own or like I've never yeah I've obviously never owned my own or started my own company but I've worked for like startups and yeah it is it is massively but that's what like do you know what that is like I could never work in corporate I am not corporate like any way shape or form um and I think like the autonomy that you get working for a smaller business um, and also like how every single day is totally different and something will be thrown at you and it's like sort this out and it's like, okay, you know, and you drop everything else and like that kind of like being able to adapt that really quickly is what I really thrive off that kind of stuff. I think I would, um, I think I would be a bit bored if it was like same stuff every day, basically. So, so yeah, I think like, you know, the growth phase that you guys are in is like such an exciting place to be because it's like you have, you're in control of like how and what, which is amazing. And, and the learning curve is so steep. It's amazing what we're learning. If I think how things have changed or how we've come on just in the last month. And, um, you know, it's been amazing. I think we all were sort of in those trenches. Everybody's doing several tasks and you're doing, you just throw everything at it. Um, sometimes I wish it wasn't sometimes I wish I'd be able to get five minutes peace mm-hmm. and I didn't dream about it at night and have nightmares <laughs> about certain things happening which, which sometimes happens but um, you know yeah I don't know that I could go and work for a, another big company I, I, it's it it's just creative in yeah. everything that happens whether that's mm-hmm. about you know delivering a tech solution you know Ben who's who deliver, who's our head of tech and, and builds everything it's always you know testing iterating trying new stuff that that you can see a tangible benefit from you know what's our customer journey look like what's our um what's our hit rate what's our bounce rate everything is you know everything is is changeable um I think what definitely is true as we move forward is we'll surround ourselves with experts actually who are really really good at specific things um be that you know customer retention or acquisition Mm -hmm. or or whatever because um you know we are juggling lots of things every one time and you know Sasha and I will go away and and with Sally's help we'll write we'll write our emails but but that's probably not best use of our time so it will always as moving forward it's about you know putting yourselves in the in the best position and surrounding yourselves with the you know the cleverest people and the best talent to to help you on your journey yeah well they always say like you should always hire people better than you because obviously there's no point in hiring someone that you've got to train you need people that are better so you can be taught things so um, that's one of those things like when when you're early in your career you're always like oh my god and like you know I don't want to be shown up by someone yeah. else 
now I just love being shown up. I love yeah. being seen as the dinosaur who doesn't have a clue about, you know, I don't know what Reddit's all about. And you know, I was learning all about that today. You guys on TikTok? Our agency. Well, we haven't gone there yet because <laughs> oh, I'm trying to work out the angle, but. You need to play in that space ASAP. <laughs> the TikTok is nuts. I mean, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't have it, but um, yeah, I feel like that is one of those. There's already too many bloody types of social media. I don't have the time for another one. I know. I know. Anyway, um, so moving on to the quick fire closing questions. So five questions um, you can each answer. So I'll say kind of um, your guys go. And then so and then, yeah, the idea is to kind of say it as quickly as you can, um, kind of whatever springs to mind. But obviously, if you want a bit more time, that's no problem at all. So what is your favorite product? But in this case, kind of your favorite recipe that you have created. So, Sasha, mine is definitely the 100 percent plant lasagna because it's completely vegan, but so packed full of nutrition. I think it's our most, one of our most nutritious meals. 12 grams of fiber, source of um, vitamin A, C, B6, B7, K. Wow. Low saturated fat for a lasagna. Matt's done a miracle job on that one. And mine's just, the, is our new seafood paella, paella which we launched this week, um, which frankly just tastes like sunshine and when it's a bit... Mm. Reminds me of all the places we can't really visit at the moment. Yeah, bringing the Costa del Sol in the house. <laughs> um, what is the best bit of advice um, for somebody wanting to start their own business kind of product or brand? I would say don't do it alone. I think having co-founders um, is amazing. You're, the sum of the parts is always more. And um, we encourage each other and motivate each other um, and make each other accountable. And don't do it alone. It's really tough to do this journey alone. We've never had that, actually. That's a really interesting one. We've never had that answer. Team, team, team sports, team sports. Um, but... I think we covered one of them earlier, which is like surrounding yourself with experts and people that, you know, people fundamentally that are better than you. Um, but one that I was always told um, from, from an old colleague who used to run uh, our business was try and get paid before you pay your suppliers. So, because cash is so important in mm. startups, it, you know, it will, it will leak out of all different places that you don't <laughs> expect it to do. So if you can try and, you know, try and control that, that cash flow pieces, you know, because, you never know where the next funding round's coming and you'd always like you said you always need more than you think you're going to need so um yeah so having yeah. that like working capital is is key yeah um what are your favorite food brands at the moment mine is biotiful kefir i'm a real fan of fermented foods because um you know there seems to be anecdotal evidence around improving gut health evidence not strong enough but i'm a believer and uh, we were talking about earlier about um, some of our marketing and actually we work with um, Natasha and the team over there. Is, is, you know, that's, there's a collaborative piece there. You know, how do you support your gut biome? That they, there aren't any claims you can put against Kefir, but the evidence suggests that, you know, it, and the dietitians are, are telling us that we should do it. <laughs> um, mine would be, um, would be Money Life. I met Stuart. Oh, their peanut butter is unreal. Have you listened to the podcast with Stu? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I met I've met him and he's just he's just you know he's a force of nature, but his yeah the peanut butter is the best and I you know I was thinking about what food brands do I do I use what food brands do I go to and that's probably the one that pretty much is every day uh, yeah on repeat 
deep yeah. roast crunchy is in my yeah, yeah. Absolutely. it's a staple actually yeah yeah, I need um, yeah it's good um what's one thing you'd wish you'd known um before you start your career and this can be like pre um kind of anything really it can be pre the business and then pre or pre when you started like just generally working I think time is precious I think to be mindful be present I think there were some stages in my career I just worked super hard head down not sure I took stock or was in the moment and savoring it and enjoying it and life is short and they sort of say that when you start a startup you know we should be really taking photographs and documenting all this craziness that we're going through because we'll look back and we'll say that these are some of the best years um and I think we should yeah that's why you got more selfie session (laughs) yeah um I think mine would be just like you know um stuff will happen I nearly swore that that word stuff happens it happens and you just have to you know you have to roll with it and you have to deal with it and you know it's not fundamentally it's not life or death and and there's always a way through it and again another cliche but a problem shared is a problem half like absolutely like there's no point siloing stuff in and 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 worrying about stuff I do remember one time um with Stuart and Jeremy who are the old uh, co-founders at Fugan Shakes we had a you know something bad went wrong and we just said you know what sorry guys let's just play a game of risk so we sat yeah. down played risk risk for the afternoon had a few drinks and and then we got you know and we just dealt with it but you just have to because so many things come at you from all different angles you just have to you know yeah you'll always find a way through and you're all you're always gonna make mistakes like it's just all it's just a part of life I made I made well, I've made plenty of mistakes but I made like one kind of big mistake um in in working and I remember um like my boss saying like we just sell yogurt and I was like I really needed to hear that today like thank you like we're not you know we're not saving lives we're not you know it's yogurt like it you know the problem will be okay so yeah I think sometimes things can be blown out of proportion quite quickly and you think oh my gosh this is the be all and end all when actually yeah you're right like a problem shared is a problem solved and just speaking about it with someone the problem's never really as big as you probably think it is unless you know god forbid you've done something awful I don't know killed someone then maybe shit you're probably going to jail but you know hopefully that won't happen (laughs) um so what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it I feel um, like failure is quite harsh. So, like, what's your biggest, <laughs> I guess, mistake? Um, I need to change that. Have we had, uh, I guess, a, a field doctor probably, you know, there's things that we're constantly learning. So, we were in the summer, it was really, really hot. And we, um, and getting hold of packaging and um, let alone a global shortage of cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Suddenly was like, that, that's probably yeah, one, of the, one of the nightmare scenarios. But we were, you know, we were using a particular ice pack to keep the meals cold and we found out that some of them were you know weren't up weren't fit for purpose and when they were on this transition from frozen although they were still sub-zero transition into a liquid state um some of them were were popping and so it was like you know how do we solve that we're getting people with meals um and yeah so it was just a you know how quickly can you turn something around and we worked with a couple of different suppliers and, and got something sorted pretty quickly so not you know not a major failure um I won't talk yeah. about when I, I got a rip for the high court with somewhere else but um <laughs> it was another life <laughs> I think one of my biggest mistakes was trying to set up a business alone 
and actually this amazing thing of having a team that can energize you and I felt like I was really lucky to land on my feet and meet these guys and for us to build Field Doctor together so it's been a great journey. Well it sounds like such a cool business a really cool business to like work for and be a part of so um so yeah really excited to see kind of what's to come with for you guys and see you and you know, looking at your like growth and things like that. But but thank you so much for coming on Getting to Grow. Really, really appreciate your time this evening. Um, it's been fab to chat. Um, and I hope you have a lovely rest of your evening. You too. Thank you for having us. Thanks. It was great. Please remember to follow, subscribe and leave a review as it really supports what we do. See you guys next time.